most competitive guy. I, I mean, I would throw on Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. Good day, everybody. This is uh, Terry Foster for King and Foster. Jimmy King will not be joining us today. Uh, instead, uh, later, we're going to have a big surprise. Sean Windsor, the uh, columnist for the Detroit Free Press, he writes a sports column, will be joining me. We're going to talk a variety of things. Uh, but I just got back from my walk. I had my big walk today. Um, as If you follow me on Twitter, you know, um, I like to walk around Union Lake, and I just measured it uh, from my house around the lake back to my house was 6.8 miles. So I've, I did that, and uh, I've been w watching uh, a lot of people take walks in the nice fall colors and everything. It's beautiful. Uh, it's not too cold yet, so when it gets cold, I don't know what I'm going to do. The wife, Abs, wants to walk through a mall which is boring to be just us and old people there, but I enjoy my walk. It's good for you, healthy, and um, I encourage everybody to take your walks around your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be six or seven miles. If you can do two miles, that's good. Uh, I, I don't think one mile is enough, but I recommend two miles minimum. See if you can do three or four and not huff and puff too much, but I, I enjoy my walk talk to people, um, hear their health stories, hear what they're up to. So it's, it's a lot of fun. So I enjoy doing that. So um, um, normally uh, we would have Jimmy King on, but uh, I think Jimmy is trying to avoid me now because here's what I'm trying to get him to do is we all know Jimmy King played for the University of Michigan for the Fab Five. And I'm trying to get him to confess that the Fab Five was not run by Steve Fisher, the coach, who was actually run by Jalen Rose, Chris Weber, Jimmy King, Ray Jackson, and Perry Watson. Uh, but he insists that um, uh, Steve Fisher ran the show, that he just allowed more liberties because that's the kind of guy he was. So but I'm, I'm going to get him to fess up one day. So we're, we're working on that. Um, so uh, I think Jimmy is avoiding me right now. One thing I want to address, and maybe I'll talk to Sean about it when he gets on there, is we recently saw the Dallas Cowboys get mollywhopped by the Arizona Cardinals. And there was a national uproar. People loved seeing this. Um, I know the Cowboys are the America's team and all that kind of stuff, and they're on prime time all the time. They're at least on the 4 o'clock game all the time. But why do we care about the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, you know, I you know, heard her here in Detroit, and, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN just goes, how about them Cowboys? And that, that's kind of a joke, and it's something he does to torment Cowboy fans. I understand that. If I was in this position, maybe I would do it too. But the rest of us, why do we care? Um, we, we don't celebrate when the Pittsburgh Steelers go on a bad streak. We don't celebrate – when the Green Bay Packers lose a couple games in a row. We don't celebrate when the San Francisco 49ers get mollywhopped. Damn, those Cowboys, you know, we always try to say, well, we don't care about them, but we must care because everybody is celebrating. Everybody's got something to say about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm kind of sick of them. 
always overrated, underperform. I can't tell you the last time they won a playoff game. More recently than the Lions, but it's been a while. It's been a while since they've been to the Super Bowl. It's the Dallas Cowboys, I would have to say. Let me think. Are they the most overrated name team in professional sports? <coughs> Excuse me. I would have to say that is the case. Um, I'm trying to think. What You know, the Lakers get a lot of hype, but they won championships. LeBron James was apologizing that then won a title in four or five years. Um, you know, they've had Kobe Bryant. They've had Kareem. They've had Magic Johnson. Uh, now LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis. Oh, man. <coughs> you guys are making me sneeze. I don't know what's going on here. No, I don't have COVID. I'm just sneezing. That was the last sneeze of this podcast, I swear to God. But um, at least th they can produce something. I'm trying to think what other Pittsburgh Steelers are, are overhyped, maybe. But they've won Super Bowls. Uh, they're Super Bowl contenders. Uh, you know, their bad year is nine and seven. That's the Lions' good year, by the way. But, um, I, I don't know of another team that gets this much hype and produces so little as the Dallas Cowboys. Maybe that's why we're all celebrating the Dallas Cowboys' demise. Me, I don't give a damn. And I, I know what a lot of people are rooting for. Uh, I, I think there's a mixture uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Every time the Lakers lost a playoff game, not a series, but a game, there was a lot of glee around the country. People were screaming and hollering about, ah, the Lakers lost the game. But they won it all. And my only regret about the Lakers winning the NBA title is we have to go through this shit about who's the greatest, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. I'm tired. You know, I, I'll admit, I used to debate that all the time. Now I'm getting tired of that one, too. Um, I just know this. Michael Jordan... Won his six titles with one team, and LeBron is like a vagabond. He's got to go all around the league trying to find the right pieces to win a championship. I still, I'm still going to give it up to Michael Jordan. Even though in the 17th year in the league, LeBron James miraculously is still the best player in the league, and the NBA title goes through LeBron James. Um, if he's having an off year or off playoff, and the Lakers don't make it. If he's playing like he did this year, where he's popping triple doubles, you know, every third game, they're going to be very hard to beat. So next year, I would expect the Lakers to win it again. Because here's what the NBA lacks. The NBA lacks a group of teams that are hungry, that have experience, and they have leaders that, are hungry for a championship. Let's take the Houston Rockets. Is uh, James Harden and uh, Westbrook hungry for a championship? Answer is no. They're hungry to show how many points they can score a night, but I don't think there's a game plan in Houston to unseat the, the LA Lakers. Clippers should be that team. I mean, they just fired Doc Rivers. Um, they, and they got Kawhi Leonard. Here's the problem, and, I, and I've always believed this. I, I think Paul George is a choker. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I watch Clipper games all the time, but whenever I watch the Clippers play, Paul George doesn't show up. I know he's a good player, but um, when you got one of your superstars choking all the time, that's not going to happen. So the Clippers is not on that list. Portland Trailblazers, pretty good team. They got good guards. But are those guys hungry for a championship? Are they game planning for a championship in Portland? I would say no. They're just putting up points, uh, playing ball. But there's not this hunger for a game plan or, or for a championship. So when you look out west, which is the strongest division, I just don't think you've got it out there. So there's one team, well, actually two teams, that I would classify as hunger for titles. One is the Lakers. The other is Golden State, who was all beaten up this year, and there's nothing they could do but lose, lose, lose. They're worse than the Pistons this year. But I would suspect the, the, the Golden State Warriors would be back to that gotta have it mentality next year i'm not sure if they're going to have the pieces to do it but i would classify them as that team that has that hunger now when you look out east who's that team um i would say the miami heat will qualify but they don't have enough talent um you know they you know they got a bam uh, who, who you guys really love out there, uh, Jimmy Butler, who I, who I think is a fantastic player. And Jimmy Butler is a guy that you don't want to cross. You don't want to walk into the locker room saying, I'm just here to play ball today and tell that to Jimmy Buck, Butler. He'll cuss you out and kick your ass. So I think the Miami Heat have that mentality, and they just got it because of Jimmy Butler. Uh, Milwaukee. You know, they won a bunch of games, but their playoff performances are awful. And and I, I don't think Giannis is there yet as far as being a leader that's going to will his team to victory. I think Giannis is mostly interested in being Giannis, being popular, winning a bunch of regular season games. But when it comes to the playoffs, a switch is turned off. So um, – I think LeBron James has it easy in the NBA. He has it easier than than uh, Michael Jordan did. Um, you had teams that were hungry to win championships. You had teams like the Houston Rockets when you had a king, uh, Elijah one. They wanted to prove that they were better than the Bulls. Didn't do it. I think uh, the Phoenix Suns became that with Charles Barkley because he has that relationship with Michael Jordan, and he wanted to beat Jordan really bad. Didn't happen, but. I think they had that mindset. And before they got old and fat, Pistons obviously had that uh, mindset with Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, Joe Dumars. But then they, they got old and Isaiah was hurt. So, you know, they couldn't sustain it. Um, but um, NBA is this league belongs to LeBron James. Um, he is their best player. He is their most marketable player. Um, things don't go through Adam Silver. They go through LeBron James. And um, I'm fine with that. I think he's earned that because of the way he speaks out on things, the way he plays, not afraid to uh, speak his mind, 
Uh, I don't think LeBron James is afraid of anything. So I know people bitch and moan about him. They don't like him. And I actually do. I like LeBron James. I respect him. I respect him more than I do Michael Jordan because we're living in a time where it's like you got to take a stand. You got to take a position. Um, it seems like everybody feels that they're attacked. Um, the left feels that they're being attacked by the right. The right feels that they're being attacked by the left. Um, we all believe we're not safe. So if you got a platform, you got to speak out. If you have a platform, you need to try to change things. And I think that's what LeBron James is doing. I respect him for that. Uh, there's very few athletes who can do that because, first of all, you have to have the game. Because if you can't play, nobody's listening to you. Nobody gives a damn. So that's why he earns that respect right there. All right. So uh, we're still waiting for Mr. Windsor to be a few more minutes. Uh, Jimmy King is doing some editing. I don't know what kind of editing he's doing. Uh, but uh, one of the things I want to talk to Sean Windsor about is he wrote an interesting column, and it was a non-sports column. It was on the sports page. about uh, He was in the hospital, and uh, he talked to a night nurse uh, who was black, and she complained that there were white patients who didn't want her to take care of them because she was black. They didn't trust her. Um, uh, they didn't want her near them. And, you know, that's a tragic thing. But let me make a confession. Happens in the black community, too. Black people uh, sometimes don't trust black people, which is another tr tragedy also. But um, I remember when I was younger, you know, hanging out in my neighborhood, you know, it was okay for you to have a black lawyer or a black doctor. But if you were really in trouble, I got to get myself a Jewish or white lawyer, a Jewish or white doctor. So even we play that game. Even we don't trust other black people if we're really in, in, in big trouble. So it's a tragedy. It's awful. But that's that's the way we've been programmed here in America. Um, and, and I always say this is a lot of people have a belief if it's all white, it's all right. And uh, I think we need to get rid of that because that just does not apply all the time. So just saying, but it was an interesting column. So maybe we'll talk to him about that uh, when he joins us. Uh, so I just wanted to wrap about that. Uh, I read another interesting story today in the uh, recently in the free press about Jim Harbaugh. Has Jim Harbaugh been a disaster at Michigan? Um, he won 72% of his games, which is easy to do in the Big Ten if you have a good program. You should win 70% of your games. Um, the problem is one in four in bowls, 0-5 against Ohio State, and just recently he's figured out how to beat Michigan State. And I know I'll get in trouble with the Michigan fans for this, but Jim Harbaugh, has positioned Michigan almost exactly where Bo Schembechler was when he left. Or Bo won a lot of games, right? The only difference is Bo beat Ohio State 
or he split with Ohio State. He would think he's five, four, and one against him, and he beat Michigan State. But Michigan State was a bad football team, bad football program when Bo Schembechler was the uh, head coach. And I remember um, George Perlis was so happy because during a seven-year span, they were three, four, and three, four, three and four against Michigan. Still a losing record, but he says we beat them three out of seven years. Look at us. That's not a good program. So they were bragging about that. But Bo lost big games. Bo couldn't win bowl games. And, yeah, he won more Big Ten titles. When you look at it, almost half of them or about half of them were shared titles. You can't share a Big Ten title anymore. You have to win a division outright. Then you have to go and play the division winner on the other side. So it's, it's more difficult to win a Big Ten title than it was under Bo Schembechler. If Michigan and Ohio State both finished nine and one, guess what? You both got to, to hang up banners. So Bo hung up a lot of banners that were shared. Bo lost a bunch of uh, bowl games. I think he was uh, two and ten. I don't know what he was in the in the Rose Bowl. It was an awful record there, and um, I don't see any difference between Michigan uh, under Harbaugh and Michigan under Bo, except the big one. Can't beat Ohio State. So if you can't beat Ohio State, that's a huge blemish on uh, on your record. And it's something that Michigan fans do not appreciate and they shouldn't apologize for. I understand that because um, I have friends in Ohio. In fact, my, my neighbors are Buckeyes. Love them. They're funny. They're hilarious. But every time... Michigan plays Ohio State. They get the TVs. They turn it up real loud so the whole neighborhood can hear it because they already know they're going to win. And so they get so excited about the game. It's a little bit embarrassing. Um, you know, you got to beat you got to beat your rivals. You got to do that. That's college football. It's different than the NFL. Remember the Lions. The Lions lost like 13 straight times to the Minnesota Vikings back in the day in the 70s and 80s. It was embarrassing, but but nobody's losing their job over that. Just Vikings were better. They weren't rivals. Shit happens. So. Um, hey, Terry, can you hear me? But uh, Oh, no. Go ahead. To speak. Oh, I just want to let you know I was here. Okay, now I hear you. Sean Windsor's on the phone. I, I, I thought I heard some a little glitch, but uh, it's good to have you on here. Welcome to our podcast. How are things going with you? Not too bad. Yeah, I was listening to you there for a minute. I wasn't sure uh, if you knew I was here. Sorry about that. Sorry about the little glitch. That's, that's okay. I did not know that. This is not the most professional thing. I'm doing it from my basement, um, and sometimes I have a hard time hearing. But, um, Sean, I... Uh, I um, Thanks for uh, joining us. And I also wanted to talk to you about a recent column uh, that you wrote that I, was, I, I thought was very interesting about the night nurse, the black night nurse that um, you um, that took care of you when you were in the hospital. And she did not, uh, white people did not want her taking care of, of, of uh, them. Is that, is that accurate? Is that pretty much the story there? Well, I mean, not all white people. No, no. So, so yeah, I was in the hospital for a few days and, and, I had the same nurse, uh, night nurse, for a couple of. I, I hate to say night nurse, like it's a defining thing, but she was just she had the overnight shift, 
And, I, you know, I was right. pretty sick when I got there. And by the second night, we had talked, you know, we started talking a little bit. And she would come in in the middle of the night and give me IV, you know, antibiotics and IV fluids. You know, she was just tending to me and shots and stuff. And on one of those late nights, uh, sort of uh, when she was coming in to do some things, we just got to talking. And I don't, I don't even remember how it came up. To be honest, I was a little bit out of it in some ways, but she just started opening up about, you know, how she became a nurse and why she wanted to become a nurse and what it was like. And all of a sudden she said, you know, on the floor we were on, which was in a, a hospital in the Metro Detroit area, she, um, she, every door she would go in, and she's been a nurse, I don't know, she was in her 40s, every door she would go in, she didn't know what to expect from the patients. Like, if they were white, she would have to brace herself. Are they going to think I'm qualified? Are they going to think I'm good enough to take care of them? Are they going to want me to take care of them? And, you know, that's not true with with most people, she said, but it was enough. It's happened enough that it makes her sort of tense up when she opens the door the first time when she knows there's a new patient in there because she's had patients right. go to her supervisor and say, I don't want, you know, I don't want that, her taking care of them because she was black, right? And then she would talk about all the coded language she would hear. You know, where did you go to school and that sort of thing, right? Do you have a nursing degree? And that this, this little sort of subtle, maybe sometimes not so subtle, question. And so she, she was just talking about that. And I just, I couldn't, I mean, I know intellectually that kind of stuff still happens, and that's part of our life, uh, our culture, unfortunately, in this country. But to hear it at 2 in the morning when you're sick as a dog and you have this this person who's almost like an angel you know how nurses are and they're taking care of you and and you could just yeah. see her shoulders sagging and just and hearing her voice just how exhausting it was for her because then they my daytime nurse who was white she never has to think about that walking into doors right how they're going to receive are they right. going to make automatic assumptions about her qualifications you right know? you know and, uh, Sean, I don't know if you heard this, but sadly, sadly, black people feel the same way. They don't want a lot of some black people don't want a black nurse. They don't want a black doctor or a black lawyer. They don't quite trust them that uh, they're not as qualified as somebody white. And that, that's that's pretty sad, too. So I, I was curious if she if she got any feedback from her, from black patients or wasn't mostly white patients that would mostly say that white to her. And, and, and mostly white too and, she, and, and the, where this hospital is and i don't want to you know get her in trouble so i'm trying to protect that but she you know 85 90 percent of her patients are white even though that where the hospital is that's not the breakdown of the larger community it serves right which mm -hmm. speaks to other issues about equal access to health care and all that sort of thing and that's a different right. issue too but although maybe it's part of the same it's part of the same larger issue but it's a different sort of specific issue but no, she didn't talk about that as much. I, and it's funny because I heard from readers sometimes after that column about, well, white people want white people to take care of each other and black people want the same and sort of what you're talking about. But I don't I, I don't think that's necessarily true. I, you know, I, I heard from a lot of nurses around the country after that column, black nurses and Latino brown nurses in, in particular, who shared similar stories and similar experiences. They did say sometimes when they would have black patients or people of color who were patients, they were overjoyed to see them as a registered nurse because it gave mm -hmm. them a sense of pride, right? So right. I, I think I, I'm not going to – obviously, you're speaking to what you know 
in terms of maybe black folks even questioning other black medical folks. I, I wonder if that's gotten a little bit better within the black and brown communities as more and more doctors and nurses are, are black and brown these days. I mean, yeah, I would say that is the case. I think we root for them because, oh, one of us made it. Oh, my goodness. That's that's wonderful. Exactly. So we kind of we kind of uh, but, you know, there's still some people out there, you know, everybody's not right. You know, everybody's got some problems out there. But I, I was in the hospital four years ago. My night nurse was white, man. She she loved working at my hospital. And, you know, we we talked about, you know, after she would treat me, she was getting married and she told me about wedding plans. So she never worried about things that your nurse were worried about. I even uh, picked out her uh, wedding colors. So that, that's what we did. So we had a, a whole bunch of fun. So can you hang on because we have uh, yeah, sure. this show's actually split up into two. We'll be right back. Uh, this is sure. Terry Foster along with Sean Windsor from the Free Press. We'll be back in a couple seconds. I'm going to ask Sean about the Dallas Cowboys, why there was so much glee when this team lost to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm Terry Foster for the King and Foster podcast, joined by Sean Windsor in a few minutes. Thank you.